This is Paddy the Hooligan Hulahan, and you're listening to Tales from the East End. to another edition of Tales from the East End episode 26 sponsored by the delicious Peach Trees who now host comedy nights so as you listen today they have a comedy night tonight tours of the 24th and music on Saturdays by Mick Keeley and all sorts of amazing drinks promotions so mention Tales from the East End so we can get brownie points and check out their Facebook for more info so we're going to look back on the trips to Limerick and Galway read out some of your memories of classic late winners and a couple of FAI Cup games at Talca Park and that's where we're going on Friday so there's an interview with Peter Fitzpatrick as well so as usual I'm Gary Parsons and with the prof Carl Riley. Hello. So we have some feedback from last week's show with Pat Flynn. Now I really enjoyed this. You did as well, Carl. I don't think I've ever laughed as much in my life. <laughs> he was there. Uh, I mean, we we love monthly madness. So we get to sit and knock back cans of former players and the team we love. And Paggio was very cool. He stayed back after recording, just drinking and telling stories. And I mean, if you have any suggestions for future guests, get them in. We're always open to suggestions. Definitely want some uh, some help with getting more guests on. And if you can. Yeah, we got the Alan Matthews story out of him, but he ended up saying it off air. I don't think he meant for that to happen. It just kind of happened that way. He said he was willing to tell us, but maybe you can tell us another time. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah, great response to the show. Good few people said it was our best episode so far. Ah, good stuff. It was our second most listened to episode ever. So I think uh, those, Behind, uh, those controversial characters are, are definitely a good show for... Yeah. Um, for monthly madness, I'd, I'd like to get maybe Dizzy Baker on next or someone like that. You know, have maybe a duo. Yeah, I was late posting. It ended up going up on Tuesday morning, and uh, a few factors to blame there. Yeah, I, I won't go into them, but yeah, a lot of people told me that they listened to on the drive up to Limerick, and uh, perfect, perfect for the drive to Limerick. Yeah, and again, the opening of the cans is a big favour. Yeah, <laughs> which is all real. No sound effects there. You thought I was intentionally lowering it down, but that was actually the compressor. Yeah, it was yeah. like, ah, oh, Carl, he's enhancing the sound of the cans, it's great, <laughs> yeah. well done. <laughs> it was two hours and 33 minutes. And you know what, not one person gave out about no the, one the length. Complained. Not one person gave out about the length. So, uh. No, like Darren on Twitter said two hours wasn't enough. Alabama Rover on the farm, there's a shout out he wanted. Mm-hmm. Him and Peter, who we'll have later on on the show, they said they listened to it twice. No way. Yeah. Just to absorb it even more. Yeah. Make sure they got all the info and guts, uh, blood and guts out of it. Remember when we used to make half-hour shows? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I was, Do you know what? I was only listening Those the days. to the very first episode. And uh, my missus was saying to me, he goes, you have come so far. Like, I mean, we're a little bit more natural now, I reckon. But we were quite robotic back then. I think I listened to it at the end of the season. That'd be interesting. Yeah, just to check it out. Yeah. So we had uh, we had Noel O'Brien, who said that was Butler who put the Twiggy bit on for top scorer, and he sold it to 
he sold it to Noel when Jay Bourne scored a hat-trick and went three ahead. So Noel said that he sorted him out with a few quid at the end of the season. And um, so we beat Limerick 2-0 to Marketsfield in the Tuesday night game. Dave McAllister and Ronan Finn with the goals. Carl, you covered this one. I used my second last day of annual leave for Galway away. And the last would more than likely be used for drugs. So I have to pick and choose sometimes. And I think Galway was the right choice, but we'll talk about that in a while. So um, I heard someone went to Limerick and not Galway. No, yeah. That wasn't a good choice. And they weren't happy at all. So Brad's mm. um, reverted to a flat back four. Trevor Clark was at left back for the two games. Graham Bourke was suspended, so James Doona made his first league start since March, while Cameron King came off the bench for his debut. Yeah, I like the Marcus Field, as I mentioned last week. It's my first time going there. It's a decent ground. Uh, Stewart had to fix the nets before kickoff, and then again before the start of the second half. And uh, so obviously we were, we were jeering him during all that. Mm-hmm. And the second time he was being hoisted up by the belly by another fella <laughs> trying to fix the net, trying to put tape on it. And it reminded me of a, a League of Ireland game that was on TV many years ago that I saw, where I think I know a young kid was up on someone's shoulders, yeah, I think trying I to fix a net, and he actually failed, and I had to just put him down and try again. No, I think I remember that one. The Hoops SC bus was that? Did you pop your charity for the Hoops SC bus? Yeah, it was a mini bus. Only about fifteen of us, and uh, some lads had a song for Cameron King already. Oh God, what was it? Wasting no time. Can't even remember how it goes. <laughs> no, but I love the old midweek games. It was about about one hundred and twenty of us, so ah, definitely. If you can get to them, it's 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 definitely worth going to. Yeah, one hundred and twenty, which is not bad. Yeah, it's good for, for midweek, like, including. The chimney guy. Remember the guy stuck in the chimney in Poland? Yes. Apparently he was there, yes. No way. So there's an interview we need. Oh, we have to get his name. I thought it was a random local who was stuck in the <laughs> chimney. He was a Rovers fan. Yeah. Definitely yeah, he, was point, he, was, he was pointed out to me. So if, if you were stuck in a chimney at any stage in Eastern Europe in the last 10, 20 years, please that, get on to us. That narrows it down, right? <laughs> yeah, our goal difference was actually back to zero going into this game. Which is remarkable for a team challenging for Europe. Yeah, yeah. And zero goal difference. That's crazy. Uh, first goal by McAllister was a relief when it went in because that game really had nil nil written all over at that stage. I heard Dunster beside me. He was he said the exact same thing. Uh, great header by McAllister from a corner. Very and good timing as well. I think it was just yeah. for half time. I wish we had more tress other than him mm. from set pieces. We're actually quite blunt from set pieces. We talked about this yeah. last week how non-threatening we are. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people are interested in how many goals we've actually scored from set pieces this season. Oh, Carl has a mega star. Well, that was the first one since he had scored against the Dock from a corner in May. Right. And we'd scored two other goals from corners this season. There was Lopez and Hampton Limerick. Yep. And Mele against Sligo. He hit down from outside the box. That was actually a corner routine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was one from a free kick in March. And that was Shaw in Galway. It's scarce, aren't they? So that's it. And about about McAllister's goal, I you know again how angry he gets. Oh, he's when great. He scores. Oh, I love him. He's actually mentioned this to me a few times now in interviews that his girlfriend keeps asking him like, "Why do you get so angry?" Yeah, he, he winds he, he winds himself up, doesn't he? Yeah. He said after he scored against Balls that he'd actually planned to go over to Akinadi. And celebrate in his face. Yeah. Because of the way he had done it. You would have done the same, wouldn't you? But he said he lost a run of himself. And ended up getting, <laughs> getting angry like he always does. Diving into the East End. But uh, yeah, Nimrick had been struggling with set pieces. 
So, which was our old problem, we took advantage of that. Though we haven't actually conceded from a free kick or a corner since, guess when? No, go on, Carl, tell me. What have we got? Since Cork in May. Cork in May. Was there a couple in that game? Yeah, three times he conceded. Three times. And, it's, and so they must have got a, a, a hide now after that and trained. They must have listen, this needs to stop. Fairness, that's a good old long time. Yeah, it is. I remember we it was a regular thing that we were giving out about conceding set pieces, so it's uh, we've knocked on the head. Maybe we've transferred it to Limerick now. Yeah. And what do you think of Limerick in general? Are they going to go down or are they going to stay up? A general consensus, they were quite poor, yeah? Yeah, I mean, we never looked like conceding. So I wasn't that impressed by him. Second goal, lovely finish by Ronald Finn. Mm. Did you see the highlights? I saw the... the the highlights from behind the goal looked like a very yeah. neat finish. He stroked it in the corner. Stroked it. As Bradley out. said, some players would have slashed at it, but it was a lovely controlled finish. Mm. And, and that uh, killed off the game, yeah. Yeah, Cameron King came on. He showed some nice touches. He he wants to run on the defence. It's yeah, good. We definitely like that. I've actually never wanted a signing to turn out to be good so much in my life. Yeah. <laughs> because he's from the ninth tier of English football. So Thetford, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm just I was just dying for him to skin three players and bury it. Yeah, yeah. No, oh, there's our lad from the ninth division there. Yeah. Uh, Brennan Clark is on the match, and uh, which apparently he was embarrassed by. So, uh, those a lot of Rovers fans were taking the piss out of him online. Yeah, there's a few threads there to saying sign him up and all this. We we obviously we gave him abuse behind the goal after that was announced. We were chanting super keeper. <laughs> Ireland's number twenty six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the story was like there was like a dozen media people there at the Marcus Field including our own McDera Ferris and they had to choose a Limerick player that's what they were told and I think McDera he said he went with Lee J Lynch but the consensus went with Clark because they had to go with somebody and he'd only made one save at that point I think they had to pick a Limerick player yeah he actually did make a good save about a minute later right after it was announced but to that point he did very little but yeah Clark in fairness to him he is able to laugh and laugh at himself yeah very true he replied to us on Twitter oh yeah yeah when we slagged him and uh, and he saved the penalty against Bowles oh uh-huh. so he's okay in my book oh well, yeah we'll let him away with that so Sligo drew it all with Bray that night so we edged a little bit further away from Bray I was looking at Sligo's farm afterwards and uh, at that point they had won one game in 15 Sligo, one game yeah. 15. Wow. They, they had five draws in a row. It's depressing stuff. They hadn't actually won since they beat us. Mm. Yet. They had the fewest defeats outside the top three. So they just draw, they drew a lot, they've, yeah, they've been drawing a lot of games, haven't Crazy they? Crazy. But they hadn't won away all season. And then they went to Cork and won. Yeah. Which is mad. Yeah, but it was a, a convincing win in Limerick, I would say. Mm-hmm. Remember, we hadn't actually avoided defeat, even, in successive away league games oh, here since we go. September. Do you remember the stat from before? Yeah, yeah. Not just win two in a row. We hadn't, we hadn't not lost <laughs> in two away league games in a row until that night. And it was such a contrast. Remember last time we played Limerick? Yep. At home, where we sat back and we looked really nervous. And conceded late on. We looked very in control this time. The tap in by Tosi. Oh yeah. The poacher. The poacher. Yeah, Tomer was actually booked for time wasting. And someone beside me was convinced that he had loads 
of yellow cards this season for time wasting, but I only count two, so. No, definitely not loads. <coughs> definitely not loads. And the only instance I know of a Rovers keeper missing a game for accumulating too many yellow cards was uh, Jody Byrne back Ch- in the 89-90 season. Byrne. Yeah, it was the only game he missed that season. And an 18-year-old keeper came in for his debut, so. Whoever knows the name of that chap. Nice big prize waiting for you. And the win is never fully confirmed until Tomer's tweet comes in. Where yeah. he calls the fans top class. Yeah. The top emoji. Hashtag central. Yeah. <laughs> on the bus on the way home, we were wondering if we would, uh, if we're going to get bricked. But maybe that's more of the 1980s, more so than the, the maybe, more, maybe more of a Friday night thing as well. Yeah. Going up there, we went by a kid with a big stick. <laughs> who, he looked like he wants to do some damage with that stick now. <laughs> but uh, he didn't come after us. You escaped the rat. Yeah. The Limerick Childer. So that leaves Limerick uh, being sucked right back into relegation trouble after that. And I have to say, the more the more I look at the table, the more I don't like the idea of a 10-team league. I mean, we, we play nine teams, four times, 36 games, two away, two home. I mean, a couple of provincials, a couple of provincial teams look like they're locked into that dogfight. So we could lose the Harps and go away away trips, you know? No more love-ins, no more locker rooms or... We are losing. We're definitely losing either Harps or Galway. Yeah, One of them is definitely going to go down. I'm not a fan of this ten-team league. I mean, I think we could have the discussion another day, but I'm, I, don't, I don't like it. I honestly prefer to increase it, but I, who knows what the FAI are thinking? You know. Well, the argument you always hear is great more derbies. <sighs> I don't know about that. I mean, I, I, I like the Galways and the Finn Harps and. Going to Sligo and things like that. You I know, know the derbies, but I just don't want four of them. Yeah, <laughs> it might take it away. It might which take something away from it, will it? Which is actually eight if you want to count Pats as a derby. Mm, no, not really. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Limerick were in free fall at this point. Oh, McDonald is struggling there. Although, as mentioned, Clark saved the penalty and they beat balls, so that was a huge win. And there's some decent players as well. That guy, um, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. H e r y, the guy with the kind of afro in the middle. Airy, Ari, whatever, I'm not too hairy. I'm not sure how you pronounce <laughs> it, but either way, he's he's quite good. Um I'd nearly take out Benny because he's got pace. Some good players there. Remember what we said about Boz after their wins over Cork and Roberts? What was that? That they would lose to the Harps and the Sligos and the Limericks. And what did we say after we and lost two at home? We said we'd go and win two away games <laughs> and we went and did it. And Boz did exactly what we said. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? Crazy old game. I never took them seriously for Europe. Oh no! Well, they're they're back where they belong. Mid-table uh, mediocrity. So we went on to beat Galway two-one with a brace from Gary Shaw. So who else was going to get the goals? The Galway good out of King of the West, and he slays Galwegians for fun. Is that what we call them, Galwegians? Yeah, I suppose we call them that now. But uh, so David Webster started a right back in place of Simon Madden, who ended his 123 consecutive league games for his brother's wedding. Isn't that right, Carl? He ended the run for for a wedding. <laughs> Carl? Yeah, I think Carl has voice smoke coming out of his ears. He's about to blow. So if anybody's interested in co-hosting Tales from the East End, get in touch because Carl's head just exploded. <laughs> Simon Madden's streak is over. It's too much for him. So um, we'll talk about Galway now and uh, we'll start off with the bus journey which is great correct the Gary Twig supporters club is getting more popular by the week I mean all that free publicity it gets here and must be helping you know <coughs> free seats to draw it 
Oh, sorry about that. Yeah, where's the discount list? Yeah, I know. Yeah, well, in fairness, oh yeah, I'm getting picked up at my house. So, <laughs> which you got a lot of stick over. Yeah. So um, we had uh, Carol Dino and Booker beside us. Don't forget Booker Senior. Yeah, I don't think I can remember much of the conversation <laughs> that went on the bus. To be honest, and uh, twelve can Carol Kearns. Yeah, twelve can Carol Kearns. He really doesn't like Ryan Connolly. Yeah, no, he's uh, he's he's not complimentary of him at all. That's um, an understatement. Yeah. <laughs> he hates him. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember the Dawn of the Dead remake and the bus that they put together reinforced it? You know, the Airbus was like really like that. I mean, I think there's bullet holes in the side of that bus. I'm sure Dan would love to hear that. Yeah, no, it's in bits, but that's that's how we want it. Like, I mean, we have our our driver from the blue side of Glasgow back. Like, we should keep keep a hold of him. I mean, he's up for a laugh, and he I think he just needs a new sat nav, but. <laughs> The, the Gary Twiggs stalwarts are all there as usual and like you just said all the lads yeah we had a quick chat with Tommy Kelly on the way home and uh, he had this to say where's me jumper where's me jumper where's me jumper yeah he's some man our Tommy and uh, he was let loose on his own like myself this week with no youngins like pigs in shite we were <laughs> absolute messes uh, the pyro car what do you think of it we had Panagate 13 over with us, apparently. They were with the Ultras from Panathinaikos in Greece. Well, we were watching this through the window of the, the Galway Bar, so we just saw the green mist descend upon the pitch. Yeah, envelop the players. Yeah, it was really cool. So they were helping with the atmosphere, and uh, Joe's an address. He was only gorgeous, and yeah. lip- the lipstick all over his face was brilliant. I mean, I've seen better legs in a snack box. <laughs> Justine Mason. Justine Mason. Fair play to him. I mean, he t- he dealt with it really well. I mean, I he weren't addressed to a football match, man. Fair play. He said he went onto the pitch for the first time in his life. He was yeah, all apologetic afterwards. Yeah, yeah, he apologised for his invasion. Yeah, it certainly wasn't easy on the eyes, but <laughs> it only added to the legends of the night. Didn't yeah, it? I really did. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, I, we were celebrating the goal. At the 90th minute winner and we're looking around and there's just mayhem going on somewhere I saw him I'm just like there's a bloke in a dress here as well it's class and he had his pictures taken with Brasder and Shazzy you couldn't write the stuff I hope that made sports well yeah yeah, I had to have it was, it was class just seen just jogging onto the pitch yeah. it's hilarious any thoughts on uh, Brasder's beard by the way yeah I saw that Looks a bit Look, like mine when I foolishly attempt to grow one. Quite dishevelled. I think he's at the he's at the rough the rough stage of it where you just yeah. have to kind of you know put the foot down and just say oh keep going it's the scruffy stage. We need a new section of the show. What's that? Brad's beard. Brad's beard. We, That's if it's we offer him advice. Yeah, <laughs> some uh, moisturizer into that beard there. But yeah, now we watched the first half in the bar. Do you remember any of this, Gary? Because. You were buckled. No, well, <laughs> it wasn't that bad. No, I mean, come on, not usually a fan of behind the goal view, but it wasn't exactly ground level, so it was kind of it was kind of elevated, wasn't it? It was a yeah. little bit higher than like the likes of in the shed end in Richmond. It was yeah, but this way through that small window was a better view than standing in open area at Richmond Park. Hundred percent, really was, and uh, we were shooting into that end as well. It made it made it much better. So, I mean. Yeah, we we mentioned the bar, how great it is, and I think Joe's put it really well. He said, if you treat people correctly as adults, they will act like us. Yeah, adults. I mean, having a few beers, talking to Galway fans about, like, I mean, chewing the fat chat and taking the piss out of each other, and you know, it was, it was grand. It was really was. So, um, I thought we had a better team in the first half. Bar the, I mean, we'll talk about Webster's uh, penalty in a minute, but the Ron, or yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that. We have Ronan Murray and the penalty. 
I'd I'd take your hand off her own money at this stage. I think he's really good. Yeah, great goal scorer. Yeah, he really is. It's uh, it's hard to come across. So Cork, the, Cork definitely want them, but yeah, I think I think that might be the next destination, isn't it? That what? was the that was the sixth penalty awarded against us in the league this season. Six more than oh. any other team. It's a lot, isn't it? Yeah, and the two times we got a penalty, we scored them and lost both games. Oh, lovely. So Webster, what do you think? Should he have been sent off? Absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. I didn't see it at the time now, but um It was a blatant handball, he nicked the ball away from the Galway player. He could see in his face when he got the yellow, he was like, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Should be off here. Just I mean, deny the goal scoring opportunity. How is it not a red? Uh, all day, red all day. But you know what? I mean, it's about time we got a bit of luck out of Buttermar because he's been awful for us for years. Well so. there's the answer there. Buttermar was ref. Yeah. Absolute nutter. A penalty or a red card in a Bunnemer game. Put the, the mortgage on it. And yeah, I mean, we should come up with a segment every week, like inside the mind of Bunnemer, where just this crazy randomness goes on. You know, I found a, an amazing match apart from Rovers game recently. This was uh, 1966. Yeah, 66. Well, the same Shelburne player conceded two penalties for deliberate handballs, both denying a goal. And he wasn't sent off. And just, uh, the rules must have been different back then, were they? Yeah, obviously totally different. Yeah, so you, you could just have the old handball every so often. It's nuts, though. <laughs> so one nil down at half time. What do you reckon Brad's have said in the dressing rooms? I don't know what he said, but it was definitely improving in the second half. We were playing into a strong breeze first half. I suppose it didn't help. Yeah, no, it definitely doesn't. But at one nil down, I mean, the fear was, could we perform well? twice in a week yeah because we hadn't done that before and it was looking like here's another weekend ruined by Rovers yeah <laughs> they ruined many a weekend that's the way it was shaping up but the second half chances as well what you think of them we had uh, headers by Grace and McAllister uh, Finn had a shot saved almost got the rebound in. Lee Grace again by the way top top class isn't what he? a player what a capture we were talking about replacing Dan Murray I think we may have done it. It's very possible, yeah. I mean, him and poor old Webby might be a squad player now. I mean, he's, he's probably praying that Simon Madden goes to every wedding he can now. I don't think he's going to get in. As I mean, he's he's come in for a bit of grief and, and flack in the last couple of weeks, so it's looking like Pico and, and Grace at centre-half. But uh, our subs, what you, we had Duna for Connolly, O'Connor for Brando and King for McAllister in that order. Connolly struggled out wide, I thought. Yeah, but again, Duna came on and made an impact. Because yeah. he gets in behind the fences. And he's got those little tiny footsteps and he just <laughs> confuses people. I mean, we had no real wit and Webby at fullback. And, although we did get a super assist, I'll give him that. Super cross for shows his header. But um, if it wasn't for Duna, we'd still be in Tada now, trying to score against Cork. Yeah. He certainly would, yeah. That bit of magic and that torn. So, I mean, he's a dead start to start for me this weekend. But... Um, so the Shaw header looked great at the time but it was even better on telly what a header how did he steer that in brilliant header looping header I think he was leaning back yeah was a, I mean there was a bit of pace in the cross as well it's a stunning header oh real looper isn't it yeah real looper <laughs> and um, the winner well I mean the ball was just ping ponging around at one stage but there was a nice bit of work by doing it yeah at the time it looked like pinball but when you watch it back no it's, it's a brilliant goal it's actually a really good goal that was a great lovely one. bit of work by doing it Great one too with O'Connor. Mm. Shawzy smashes home a very neat finish, but I mean, 
yeah, O'Connor did his usual wheeling off and crazy yeah. celebration on his own. But I mean, the, the camera didn't follow him this time. No, it didn't, no. wasn't buying it. I mean, Q absolute fucking mayhem. Four hundred mm. man brawl, bodies everywhere, joy, elation, ecstasy. I mean, those words don't do the feeling justice. I mean, in the middle of all the mayhem, like I mean, what did Lee Barmall describe it as a royal rumble? It's it's just absolutely nuts what went on in the terraces and on the pitch that night. Fantastic oh, away trip. It was madness. Can't say enough good things about it, really well. If you watch back the Galway clips that they put up, you can see some madman coming out of the Galway end. I saw that. Celebrating the yeah. players. <laughs> Do you know what? He was in the bar with us at one stage. Was he having he, yeah? a drink, yeah. I think he's from the Northside Hoops. Yeah, good lad. <laughs> and he gave Finn the old pat on the back before he walks yeah. off. <laughs> You say Maloney was keeping people off the pitch. I swear to God, he was. T- he said it to me. He was like, "Get off that blade, bitch, fella," because he was pushing people onto the pitch. Yeah. That's what he's, I saw. And then he realised, yeah, no, I, I think he, he probably pushed me. And and then he was like, "Well, he didn't see me, so I'll tell him to get he off." He claims he was trying to see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well. a good one. But uh, I'd like to publicly thank Gary Shaw because he got me out of the doghouse with Jace Maloney, big time. Oh yeah? Because of those Galway stats that I put up where we hadn't lost to them in a million years. Mm. Maloney, he was giving me the eyes. Maloney. All game, I did it. <laughs> he loves those stats. I he? was in trouble. Gary Shaw bailed me out. Oh, excellent, excellent stuff from Shaw. I mean, talking about this with Anto Matthews last night and um, I mean, it's, it's hard to pick a player of the year at the moment. It, for me, at the moment, it could be Shaw. Because a couple of players that we spoke about before, like Trev has kind of had an off day here and there and he hasn't been as consistent as he was at the start of the season. Shaz, he's been consistent. We asked this a few months ago, didn't we? I, can't, I think I so, I can't remember yeah. what we said. I think I said Shaw. I, I? I think we said it was a troll between Trev and Shaw, and, and, maybe Lukey yeah. at the time. But, I mean, it's Shaw at the moment, I think. But uh, like it's, it's still early days. I mean, Remember the people giving him abuse in the West End? Yeah, yeah. We certainly do, but um, the the pitch invasion. I think about how the stand got involved. <laughs> I mean, what a night! You just can't beat these away days. I mean, like three three quarters of the hoop faithful were meldy. I mean, big numbers, ultras, flares, bottles, pitch invasions. I mean, we don't do, we don't do things the easy way, Rovers. It seemed like everyone was hammered. Everyone was hammered. <laughs> I mean, I woke up next morning and I was just like, oh god, oh god. And then I went down and the gazelles were in bits. There's grass, muck stains. I think some of Kenny's bar of charred flesh maybe stuck on them as well. He nearly lost a finger holding up a flare. <laughs> he said he missed his flight home as well. Yeah, he missed his, I think it was a boat. He missed his boat, ended up in Belfast, ended up in Northside, all over the place. Typical Kenny yeah. B. There was a plastic sheep being thrown about as well. I didn't see that. What I didn't notice that? that, but someone mentioned it. It ended up on top of the goal that Robert scored the winner in. Well, I didn't even see that. That was all Galway fans down there. I know. How did the Rovers fan ran from that direction, didn't he? Did he? Yeah, because he ran from the goal we scored into. So he would have been in the Galway end. So I was wondering how he even got there. What was, yeah. what was he even doing there? So, oh, it was magic though. Mm. One, one of the great away trips. Yeah, it really was. And Your man dancing on the wall. I don't, I don't remember don't this. Remember this. <laughs> Who was he doing? just putting on a show, was he? He was raving or something. <laughs> Brando and Mikey were actually laughing their ass off at him. Oh, man. That was cool. Excellent, excellent stuff. I reckon some of the players are looking and going, oh, geez, I wouldn't mind being out there. I wouldn't mind being out there this season. It's been the most enjoyable season for a long, long time. So Yeah, most enjoyable in years. And, like uh, I said, we had some overseas hoops there as well. We got the, 
the, the, the Glasgow hoops were there and we had the lads from Greece as well so everything just came together didn't it it did it just it just happened I think I think I ended up on someone's shoulders outside um, I think it was Bren I think it was uh, Brendan Murray I, I, I think it was him I, I just remember embracing absolutely everyone possible and just love hugging random people that's it right? random hugs all around yeah. but the uh, Gary Shaw says he forgives you for dropping him, Gary. Yeah, and now Shawzy, I dropped you for God for Limerick. Now, like I said, I'll take thanks for forgiving me anyway. But yeah, um, <laughs> I certainly wouldn't have dropped you against Galway. I wasn't there. I wasn't dropping you. I was just giving you a rest. So I was yeah. just resting those weary legs. Likely story, Gary. <laughs> and if you saw on Facebook, Maloney was contrasting this game to the Premier League because if you remember, all the talk that day was Bill Coutinho. Certainly I think was, they rejected yeah. like a hundred and something million bid from Barcelona, and like you'd never get within an inch of a Premier League player like that. Whereas no. with Gary Shaw, Loney says, and I quote, "You could see him, smell him, and almost grab him. Mm. Real life, real football, smell him, real down to earth players." But it even goes beyond that because he listens to the podcast too. Yeah, Shaw's he's a fan. Keep racking up those listens, Shaw's. Can't be that, can you? <laughs> no, certainly can't. Um, the bus home Carl I'm gonna let you take this one <laughs> cause all yeah. I remember is eating cola bottles and someone donating Tuborg so in fairness the from the East End cause in fairness I had three quarters of those <laughs> is that where they went yeah. <laughs> no I think I was I think I was dipping them into me Tuborg I like how you described the win just as you sat back in the bus you said you described it as a dirty win oh it was meldy dirty win oh with a scrub when I went home felt great you were up in the back of the bus at one stage having an old dance don't remember that are you serious and then people started chanting podcast wanker at you <laughs> hold on oh man and uh, you started calling the driver a hun again Ger oh, no that wasn't me I think that was uh, on someone else <laughs> do you really shout it back no he said pull gas sit down <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's what warm cans of Tuborg do for you. Which was kindly donated by our friends, our uh, Perrystown lads. So fair play to them. That's the first time I've heard anything that driver has said. Yeah, they in the six times he's driven us <laughs> to a game. Those three words. Oh, he's great, Craig. He really is. I think we should hold on to him for as long as possible. And. Um, uh, Tommy Kelly, when he got back in the bus, was informed that we actually won the game. <laughs> he thought we drew. <laughs> he thought it was a draw. <laughs> yeah, and he was delighted. He's like, because do you know what? When when we scored the second, the mayhem, the pandemonium in the stands, and I just spotted him back to goal, and he's looking straight up, giving me the thousand yard stare, nodding slowly as if he's just going, yeah. Yeah, and I'm looking at him going, this, this, what is he doing? This kicking off all over the terrace, and he's not even looking at the pitch. And I, I didn't know he didn't know we scored at the time, but he came on and he thought we drew. What a man! Think about that. He ran on the pitch thinking that was a draw. Oh, god. But uh, on the bus home, just to rub salt into the wounds, we had Julian Canny and Johnny Ward with us. Oh, I knew we had Julian, I yeah. didn't see we had uh, another guy. Johnny's from the other uh, Weekly podcast. Ah, but uh, now lovely lads, especially Julian. Julian's a, a great old lad. Gave us a great interview on selling the programs at the game. So he's a he's a real fan, you know. Poor fella, though. Yeah, poor fella. You've poor never man. seen a man so broken. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. Re- I mean, oh, 
sick for them, wasn't it? It would be sick yeah. if I was a Galway fan. So Johnny tried to keep up the spirits. He sang a 1991 cup final song. Oh uh, yeah, and then he sang "Foggy Jew" for some reason. He's a fair play to him. He was trying to yeah. he was trying to uh, bridge the gap there. I reckon. So we had a uh, the official number was fourteen hundred and four. The crowd in Galway and the Limerick crowd was one two three four. Right in America. Mm. Yeah. So I mean, what what more can we say about Shazzy at this stage? I mean, he just gives his, his heart is on a sleeve. It's he really does just run himself to the ground for for this team so and and it does like I said the fans you get your own song the fans sing your name I mean it it means a lot to play if it was me I'd be chuffed put it that way I mean we know what it's like I'd love it I don't think any of these players would have grown up going to League of Ireland games I know what it's like so I mean it's it's completely alien to them so definitely I think he's loving it but uh, I think we cut, well I think you caught up with Lee Barnwell yeah. sorry about you this didn't show up I, I was supposed to <laughs> interview you but uh, I don't know where I think I was upside down somewhere but um, uh, he put a set he put a best when he said Gary Shaw he's more likely to score on Galway than Ed Sheeran and we had a quick chat well Carl had a quick chat with Lee about the two games last week right, we're here with Lee Barnwell full time whistle in Galway we left it late didn't we Absolutely, yeah, just as well he didn't interview me at half time because I was filming. But uh, Gary Shaw popped up again against uh, Galway. It must be sick of excitement. He loves Galway, doesn't he? Oh, he does. As I said, if you play Galway every week, you get the Ballon d'Or. You know, but wow, magnificent, what can I say? Massive crowd down here again. So uh, it was great to win twice in a week for the first time all season, I think. Get that, get that monkey off our back, you know. I think we played in the second half, especially. Yeah, yeah. I'm usually a bit disappointed when he brings the two big boys up front because we don't go direct. But it worked tonight, you know. Uh, we kept playing our game and the goals came, thank God. You know? Overall, did you enjoy the trip to Galway? Absolutely. I drove down tonight. I usually go down uh, on the Hoops SC bus and have a few drinks. But I want to bring Young Flit uh, tonight. And I'm in work tomorrow, so I said I'd stay off the drink and drive down. But look, when I was young, my dad brought me all over the country. So it's great to bring him everywhere now, you know. So... You weren't in the bar at Trees Halls for a tenner? No, I wasn't. Is that right? Yeah, I missed out on that one. Oh, it's a great bar, actually. Uh, there's not many There's not many grounds in the country with facilities like that, so it's a great trip. Always a great trip, you know yourself. Just amazing, looking well tonight. Absolutely. He might get his hole tonight, I tell you. The, the missus will have to watch out. He looks fantastic. And it shows that you and I were among the 120 or so to head down to Limburg. We Something were. special about those midweek games, oh, isn't there? I love the midweek games more than anything. And I love away games in general more than anything, you know? I could live with missing the game in Tala, but I hate missing away game. It's my first time down in the Marketsfield, actually, and uh, again, great facilities, you know. It's actually it's a pity three teams are going to get down this year, because we're going to lose a couple of decent stadiums, you know. Could be Terryland, could be uh, the Marketsfield, so that's a pity, but... Went down the hoops at Seabus and you had oh, a good yeah. trip. I tell you, the only thing was, yeah, the win was overshadowed a little bit by Brendan Clark's world-class performance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I tell you, I haven't seen Manuel Neuer in the flesh, but I think I'd be disappointed after seeing Brendan the other night. Commerce plays under threat now. I do think so. As I said, we might not have the money to land Brendan down on that farm, you know. If Martin O'Neill had him in there the other night, I tell you, he could be getting an Ireland cap. And that was a joke, wasn't it? Um, I mean, he, he didn't. He, we had a few chances, but they were wide and over the bar. I don't think he made a save all game, and he got man the match. So, but there you go. It's <laughs> something a bit quirky there. Two good goals, from our point of view, McAllister and Finn. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, big Dave is very dangerous at corners, isn't he? And uh, Finn, our sublime finish in the second half. What can you say? But I was a little bit disappointed again with him tonight playing deep. You know, he does his best work in the final third. So I'd like to see him play there a bit more often. But come here, you're not going to complain after two wins on the spin in, in the space of a few days. What do you think of Brands' use of the, of the squad tonight? Tonight he was missing inside Madden. Uh, went Webby right back. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, look, it worked out in the end. As I said, I was a bit disappointed with the first half performance. But look, Brad's just learning. And he's got great potential, I think. Um, whether he learns quick enough to stay in the job, who knows? I mean, look, fourth, fourth position is probably not good enough for this football club. But I think he's got great potential. And hopefully... Hopefully we can nick Europe this year one way or another and then next year we can really kick on. And if Brads are improved and the, and, the, and the players improve the way we think they will, we'll be fine. I think we're in safe hands. You know, we've a, we have a fabulous young squad, absolutely fabulous. I think on paper we're up there with the likes of Dundalk, just need to get a bit of naivety out of our game. Brads are and the players, but I think we're getting there. You know, tonight was, tonight was huge for us to finally get two results on the spin. You know yourself, that's, that's huge moving forward. So yeah, so now we've got third place this season. Do you know what? Well, the only time I'm impressed with Derry is when they play against Shamrock Rovers. You know, and, and they just have the, the Indian sign over us. But um, they, they are catchable. Probably because we don't have to play them again, we can catch them, you know? So I would see how it goes. So that was Lee there. And, uh, One of the more well behaved hoops on the night. Yeah, yeah, well. Well, he hasn't got a drop on him anyway. <laughs> not to say that he's not. He misbehaves, but listen. Uh, <laughs> everybody was uh, well, three quarters were on the drink that night but I tried to smuggle a couple of young lads into the into the bar as well <laughs> Ryan Legrew said to me can you, can you see get me into the bar and so m- my best idea was so I just put my hand around him and I goes come on son <laughs> just as he's trying to get in bouncer was like no not happening, not happening. <laughs> same with Sean Long Sean Long I grabbed him around and I says come on son we get a drink <laughs> <laughs> your mum was like you did that like 10 minutes ago with the other guy it's not going to work and why his dad goes I tried that Kieran said that why would that work oh man what a trip and uh, to, oh. sum, to sum up the game Gar <coughs> I know you might be apprehensive about this but I've written a poem oh here we go is it a limerick because <coughs> Ashbourne will love that do you like limericks he loves limericks yeah well I've written what I believe is certainly not the best poem of all time but possibly the most statistically sarcastic poem. See, we have to cater for all, all our fans. Now that Mickey D. Yeah. Higgins is listening, he's yeah. going to appreciate this. Yes, he is a poet. So this is my rhetoric now to Mickey D. <laughs> <coughs> Ode to Mickey D. Yeah. The locals peep out and pull back the curtain. It said debt and taxes are almost as certain. They've seen a whose party last over ten years. Connor win lose and grown tribesmen in tears. Yet... Rovers feel welcome. The stories are true. Points on offer. And you can drink there too. The Indian signs are good. No need to worry. Even when they score a peno through Murray. In the hoodoo lounge. Relax in the leather. Wash through the window. A Gary Shaw header. A game of two halves. It's all in the day. Because either team can win. Except Galway. With two minutes left. The ball finds the net. RT News headline. Water is wet. How's the form? I think there's a stat. Build the last game and the 16 before that. Shawzy again. Does he have a previous out west? Some morning perhaps. Who could have guessed? The grass is green. The sky is blue. Galway United 1. Shamrock Rovers 2. <laughs> Loving that girl. Loving that. So that was for Mickey D. Our new listener. So hopefully he can come back with something else. <laughs> we could have poem wars. Balls in your card Mickey. <laughs> yeah. So um... We're going to move on to our late goal stories, considering how epic that was. And I mean, once that stick out, it'll probably be Finn and Dalier. And we thought Manus scored and Twig and Talla, and uh, there's been so many, but we're going to get some that go, go way back. Yeah, there was one, uh, it wasn't about late winner, but just to mention, I loved Ben Stafford's post on the 7 0 win in Drada in 1984. Go on. And I'm a big fan of his copybook, Stats Work. 
because he had the whole oh, so line of Britain Hill and the scores. That was real. And, and it's the fact that it still exists and it's still in good nick is brilliant. I can't tell you how much I love that because it's, it's throwback to my school days where I used to do stats from their PE leagues. In the you copy did book. stats for everything, Carol. Yeah. Everything. So we're, we have Paul McDonald who said, Go away away in the sports ground, going for the league title in 1994. Derry beating Cork 3-2 and Rovers beating Galway 3-2 after being 2-0 down. Massive pitch invasion and the celebrations afterwards. Definitely one of my favourite away trips, mayhem. And on that one, Derek Kelly adds, My old lad still talks about that trip to this day. He said he carried Gagan back into the dressing room on his back. <laughs> Yeah, and you know what? That type of stuff would still happen today because that's just how it is, isn't it? It's real. And we have Alan Kinsler. Obviously, in recent times, the league-winning nights in Belfield and Bray. One of my favourites was when Cork played in Bishopstown, probably 1995. Owen Mullen got the winner for us. I spent the second half throwing strawberry cream biscuits, the two cheapest in the local shop, at Cork keeper Phil Biscuits Harrington. <laughs> and Ray Whelan uh, had to correct them, and t- I think it was the raspberry creams. Yeah. <laughs> Get it right. So it's Sean McLaughlin as well who said that loan away in the rugby ground that had everything. And uh, Darren Heffernan said after the game the local gee bags coming up spitting at us saying go home to Ballymun. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't be dubs. What was it? Athlone accent? I'm not even going to attempt an Athlone accent. And we have Paddy Kilmartin. The 4-2 away win in Oriel in 2009 was brilliant. The roller coaster game with both teams pegging each other back. When Desi's free kick went in it was carnage. I remember looking down and seeing a wallet and a phone on the terrace. Something about that win always sticks in my mind. Maybe because it was so late in the season and we came so close to winning the league after so long. The highlights of that are brilliant. Is that the one where Aiden Price patting the, the guard on the head? Or the I, steward on I the head? I think so. and It's just a free kick alone. Desi smashes the home. Absolutely stunning stuff. And then we have Chris Fox. He says, for me, I'll never forget Bowles away in 2011. Game full of emotions between Bowles taking the lead first. McCabe getting a straight red card for tearing into the ref. I don't think it was the ref, I think it was the Lino. It was the Lino, yeah. It was the Lino. And after a throw in, he was awarded against us. It just, do you know what? He called him a see you next Tuesday. That's what that was because we were, we were close enough to it. And uh, it just seemed it wouldn't be our day. Conor McCormick tackled Owen Heary, who being both scummer that he is, left his own foot down to connect with his studs with Conor's head. Such a heated game and Derby then went for Rovers to throw everyone including Alan Manis up for the last minute corner and Finn who was starting to really show his worth at the time to glance an unstoppable header high into the bowls net. Absolute bedding after such a crazy night. Earned the draw and the whole shed in mutual delight roaring at the gypsies. That's why we're champions. We thought Manis had scored that didn't we? At the time. Yeah, no, I was at the... I, see, I, I was waiting just for the final whistle because I was in work and like I was already late. I wasn't leaving no way I was leaving and I was right at the very end just at the corner flag and I went in and I, I was convinced Manus got it as well so um, and this is from Daniel Kyo he says when we won the league in the Belfield ball it's actually the UCD ball at that stage but uh, Dean Kelly scored a 94 minute winner and the pitch invasion that followed with me losing my dad for 15 minutes was one of my first but definitely up there but one of the best away days for me yeah there was a bit there was a crush there when we scored the goal when Dean Kelly scored that goal it was a mad crush I think that's when Rebecca Dunn lost her school books oh yeah <laughs> so we have Cork that won 1-0 away to Harps on Monday so if Cork beat us and Dundalk failed to win at home to Pats that night they will win the league in Tala I don't think that's going to happen that's being honest well you would see Dundalk beating Pats there right Although yeah. they're the two most informed teams in the league Yeah, Dundalk and Pats yeah definitely and we've got to play them both I mean 
No, I can't see them winning it in Tallah. So um, we Baz, have- Baz is enjoying his uh, football again. He made his first league start since March. March. Wow. Yeah, we were really breathing down Derry's neck after those wins in uh, Limerick and Galway. And then Derry went and lost 4 0 home to Dundalk on the Sunday. Yeah, eight goals in two games against Dundalk. Yeah. They were 4 0 down at half time as well. I'm watching the goals back on TV. Did you see McElhaney scoop pass for one of the goals? He's just, he's, he's a filth merchant, isn't he? Gary, you know how much you love an old scoop pass? <laughs> this was. Oh man, this a, was sublime. He really is one of just those genuinely talented footballers, isn't he? In the the mould of a Merson or a Gascoigne with some just genuine talent. I've no problem saying that he's not a Rowers player, but he's the best player in the league. Yep, I mean, yeah, hundred percent agree with you. So in terms of Cash and Derry, uh, those Galway and Limerick trips—they're our last long ones of the season, really. Yeah, no, I was checking that out myself, and our our next one is probably Drogs and Bray. Drogs and Bray is our way games, isn't it? Yeah, I call them out. We've got four home games. Cork, Stigo, Harps and Nimerick. 12 points. <laughs> don't, don't say that again. <laughs> and three away games. Pats, Bray and Drogheda. Another 12 points. You just get an extra three. But for a bonus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bonus points. That's our run-in now. So, um, we've, we won't discuss the run-in. We'll deal with it as we... As, as it comes. So, we've Alan Bennett who wasn't banned for any Florida games for violent conduct for his stamp... Vicious stamp on Dave Webster. Well, he was, yeah, he was cleared of violent conduct. Which, I mean... Which mean he he did do it, but it, he didn't mean to do it. Is that what they're saying? If you're cleared of violent conduct... I'm a bit confused with this because... Why does Dave McAllister get three games? A three-game ban for his tackle? Yeah. So where Bennett gets up- one. Yeah. Why are they upholding his ban? Then? Why, why is a tackle worth two more games than a stamp? Yeah, why, are, why don't they rescind the whole thing? Yeah. If they don't think it was violent. So what are they saying it is then? Like, was Graham Burke's one at the start of the season? Where he slid in? Was that counted as violent conduct? This goes back to the iron circle that is the refereeing union. And they do not hang each other out to dry. they probably sitting there going, Okay, he gave the red so we can't go back on it. But we can't give him an extra three games. I don't know what they're thinking is in it, but either, either I'm way, I'm utterly baffled by that. Yeah, no, I, I mean, think he's gotten away with that one. I mean, that dope Caulfield still thinks Bennett is innocent, bleeding tick, and stand him. And you know what? It's an all-round. There's all-round hatred for him. Even like there's League of Ireland fans and work. Pat's fan doesn't like him. Draw the fan doesn't like him. Just an all-round bell end. <laughs> As for Cork, they've scored five goals in seven games. Since Sean Maguire left. Ooh, we predicted this. None by Carl Shepard and one by Kieran Salier. Yeah, we predicted this. I mean, one-man team, what's, what, what have we been calling them since the start of the season? And it's starting to shine through. So, uh, we had some controversy around the FAI Cup draw as well. I don't know anything about this, so Carl, you will have to enlighten me. Well, what happened was, it was, on the, it was live in Soccer Republic, or supposedly live, because it was clearly pre-recorded. During live? During the ad break, if you ever watch Soccer Republic online, there's no ads. Okay. It just shows a screen saying Soccer Republic. And then suddenly, Shelburne versus Shamrock Rovers flashed up on the screen during the ad break. And then I jokingly on Twitter said, like, if that if that's actually the draw now. It's some sort of witchcraft. And then sure enough, first team's able to draw. So the draw wasn't live. Shelburne versus Shamrock So it had been done. Maybe there was a delay of some sort, but either way. Apparently Pats flew up on the screen as well, but yeah. 
And did they come up second in the draw, or was there someone else? I didn't ask. I didn't Ooh. ask the past. I just, thought, I just thought us. But uh, Sean O'Connor on Twitter was going mad about Saki. Yeah, windy. First of all, because they didn't show any highlights of the Crumlin win over Wexford. He yeah. wasn't, wasn't happy about that. Uh, our goal wasn't shown either, by the way. I know it was that. I sat and yeah. watched the whole thing. It ended. I rewinded it. And I was thinking to myself, are we really not in this? Yeah. So Saki was mad about two things. The Crumlin thing. And the fact that it was clear he wasn't live. So yeah. he was having a bit of a hissy fit. But uh, I do love watching the league clubs playing in non-league grounds. I actually find that quite enjoyable. Because you get all these wacky camera angles and you're at places like Port Marnock, Evergreen, Colester. Yeah, yeah, Colester. It's just so cool to see like Premier Division teams travel to these places. I'll be in the Ivy Grounds myself on Saturday. Crumlin playing against... Um, Dundalk, yeah. Dundalk. The brother-in-law will be playing, I think, Martin Lightly, Mark and Duffy. Apparently Dundalk complained about Crumlin's facilities. Well, it's... To be honest, I mean, we were there for the Bluebell and Crumlin the cider of the Leicester Senior League last year and I, it's 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 narrow I mean they've got one side a great facilities fantastic facilities I mean they've got a great setup, but it could hold 100 people maybe you know I mean that's mm. that's being honest 200 max and it's one side and it's, you're just standing there you know what I mean it's it's much smaller than McGinn Park or anything you've ever been to so it is really really small like a tent like capacity wise Ivy Grounds is just much bigger I mean I thought they would have chose maybe Richmond but they want the Ivy Grounds so um, that'll probably suit them we'll uh, we'll be there on I'll, I'll be there on Saturday anyway 4 o'clock kickoff. Uh, as for Soccer Republic this week but um, do people really think that they are biased against Rovers this seems to be a trending topic yeah I see a weekly thing. saying this I mean the puns uh, are terrible I know that I mean do you know what um like Fabio reminds me of somebody who is constantly trying to get out of trouble. Like it's it's like he's done something wrong and he's trying to talk his way over. He looks nervous and that like he's he's telling lawyers. Fabio. Yeah, he's he's yeah, really he nervous, does. isn't he? And he does this this little facial tick where he's he's either really nervous or he's just too bland. And yeah, he'll always be too bland. Yeah, he's like toast without butter. He said that um, Robert's fans don't care about the academy. Which is... It's crazy. Not true at all. Crazy statement. I completely disagree with that. I was like, so you genuinely think that all we care about is the first team? I mean, there may be some fans out there like that, but it's a massive project we're undertaking that we all are interested in. So it's it was... Uh, he got some things right about maybe like the potential success of the whole season as a whole with coming yeah. toward and getting a cup and be, being happy with it. And Johnny McDonald kept buttoning in saying... He's a tick. Yeah, he mentioned that we had a lot of um, players lost and a lot of players brought in, which is a, a valid point. And he he made the point as well that Cork and Dundalk have had steady teams for the past couple of years. So we have been chopping and changing our squad, trying to get what we want. Brad's are trying to get a, a, a squad there and we're building on it now. So, I mean, I think the next year, and year and a half, two years are going to be huge. So Yeah, I mentioned earlier in the season that the, the punditry, Soccer Republic has been really poor this year yeah it's, it's brutal I actually don't mind Alan Cawley though a lot of people don't like him I, I, I don't yeah, mind yeah no I think Alan. he's decent too yeah. yeah I like Alan Cawley Dave Berry is a guilty pleasure of mine <laughs> I have to say he's so bad it's genuinely funny so whenever I see him on the couch I'm like right this, ah, yeah, this will be a good bit, show bit now, here, at least yeah. you know that's when he's not serving up sweaty chips did you see uh, Shane Keegan's rant yeah 
Brilliant. It was quality. And it was, it was. Uh, I mean, he, he was, we'll let him have that one. He's right though. Yeah. Jeez, he really hit the roof, didn't he? Well, he was, it was brilliant. But then he goes and undoes the whole thing by saying Bonimer is one of the better refs. Crazy. Ruined the whole rant. Why would he even say that? One of the better refs. Bizarre. Bonimer. Lunatic. <laughs> I'm starting to uh, see why Paflin ranked Keegan so high now. Yeah, yeah, there's a bit of bite there, isn't there? Yeah, because that was scary. Underneath the surface. That, that was scary at times. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so Soccer Republic will be at 7pm starting from Monday, which makes a lot more sense. All the younger generation can tune in. I mean, what? I mean, any kids that want to watch it, it's 11 o'clock, it's brutal, you know? Well, they reverted back to the old M&S time mm. when uh, Con Murphy was there. But uh, yeah, Joanne Cantwell was hosting this week. She got a bit and, of stick uh, in media, I noticed. I thought she was all right. Really? Yeah, no, I saw her getting a bit of stick online on Facebook. She's brilliant. Yeah, no, I think she's very good. If you want to know my opinion on this, just Google an article I wrote called We Need to Talk About Peter Collins. Yeah, it's really where good. I lay Check out. that one out, guys. It's really good. He I, he pans out. It's like he sparks out Peter Collins. Peter Collins is knocked out. He's gone. He's dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I also make my case for Joanne Cantwell. I think he's, she's, more, she's a natural replacement. Bring back Con. That's what I say. Bring back Con. Yeah, it's just it's the politics at the radio, television, yeah, Aaron. of course. Always, it's like everything, isn't it? It's like absolutely everything in life. So um, you didn't apply to be a Rosa Trilly escort this week, Aaron? No? no, certainly not. I wouldn't be my thing at all now. <laughs> I'd say you'd be into that now. You could do some stats on the on the roses. We have the draw for the second round of the Iron Brew Cup was made at the Falkirk Wheel last Thursday. Bray are away to Elgin City and Sligo are home to Falkirk. So, would we like to be involved in this, Carl? Well, if we're involved, that means we've missed Europe. So, it should be our aim to never qualify for the Iron Brew Cup. Never, ever, actually. Yeah, never qualify. I mean, is there some sort of financial gain from winning it? Uh, I don't know what the I think there might be a few quid to win it, but either way it's is, not something you want to be involved in because that means you are not in Europe Bray Wanders against Elgin City in yeah, a competitive it's, match it's not exactly glamorous <laughs> I never thought I'd hear that one no no yeah so um, well it's more of a friendly tournament really isn't it um, so we had an interview with Extra Time Time.ie and the one the only Michael O'Neill on Rowers he said um I got to a good point and had spent virtually no money. I wanted a slight increase in the playing budget, but the board didn't want that. It wasn't amicable, but that's football. So, ooh, interesting from Michael O'Neill. I mean, well, he has said that a few times now about the budget. He wanted a ten percent increase. Right, he said that before, but it just seemed like every time Mick O'Neill is asked to talk about Rovers, there's a sort of a negative vibe to it because yeah. He, all he thinks about is sort of the end to it, how it ended. Yeah, and what it could have been, maybe. Yeah. But well, like, what, what I will say is that um, you could understand where the board are coming from. People are definitely going to call us club men now. But no, mm. I could understand because what we went through before in the past with receivership and being in trouble financially, and I don't think they wanted to take that step to increase the budget. They thought it might, it might have been too much, but listen... We don't know what happens behind the scenes. We're, we're not privy to that at all. That's just a guess. And, I mean, oh, our, we, we have a lot of time for Michael O'Neill, a lot of time for our board. We, we, they both did great work together when they were when they were the team. So, My position on this has always been, 
it would never have mattered if we had given him that extra budget or not because he was, way. <laughs> he was going to that Northern Ireland job. Yeah, he was going either way. He was he was definitely I mean the work he did with us was fantastic, so you think he was gonna go either way, wasn't he? Yep. Maybe he was just trying to get Jim Magildan in the door and get my pay rise. <laughs> Is that ten percent I offered you, Jimmy? I love Pat Flynn's uh, impersonation of him. Ah, he was class, wasn't, wasn't he? It was very good. It was yeah, quality. It was very good. He goes, "Will I do it?" As if he'd never done it before. Yeah. Being modest. Yeah. But how about M O N for monthly madness? That's the campaign, right? M O N for double M. So, um, I mean, it's not as if he's busy part time up there with the Nordies, and we know he likes a drop. So, we're gonna work on that one. So we'll move on to our under 19s now. Who wasn't a great week for uh, the Roadstone development I mean the 19s lost one at home to Limerick on Saturday and Limerick missed a penalty in that one as well there's a 1-0 loss there and they play UCD next on Saturday 2pm at Tala and the under 17s play Bray Wanderers on Sunday 2pm at Tala as well so the pitch will be getting the pitch will be getting used up well on, on the weekend the Bray under 19s field a suspended player and they're actually docked 3 points really? And and that's that, that's poor that is that's that's really short sighted stuff now and now their manager Mark Henney I'm hearing has left yeah I saw that as well so that was his choice that was his decision to play that guy and not good at all former Rovers coach um, in the newly launched under 15s National League that was underway the Rovers game was on the Saturday as well it kicked off at 3 and an hour later than the 19s game and they lost 2-0 to Galway at the Roadstone with both goals coming in the opening 20 minutes. Now, I wouldn't take too much from that, considering that it's largely a new team that have been put together, pretty much picking the, the best of Dublin. I'm hearing, that. I'm hearing good things about that 15s team. So, um, we'll see how they get on throughout the league. Leonard likes to look at the right-back. Yeah, yeah, and appa- apparently they're, they're like the pick of the litter. So, next up for them is Bray Wonders on the Saturday at 2pm. At the Bray Academy in Carrick Mines, and that is opposite Wayside Celtics ground. Um, what Bray Academy? The Bray Academy, the multi-million one they're going to build. St. Joseph's Boys Academy. Under Kim Jong-un. Yeah. Joey's, yeah. It's a good little setup. And Duffer said, the under 15s job at Shamrock Rovers is the biggest job in the world for me at the minute, so I'm putting my heart and soul into it, and the players are responding. So, uh, good to see that Duffer is 100% committed. And some academy news too. Congratulations to our under twelve Premier side who are Kells Blackwater Tournament champs for 2017. They beat St Francis and Cherry Orchard on the way to victory. A fantastic achievement by Jason and the lads. And now we're going to have an interview with a long time who supporter Peter Fitzpatrick to talk the sixties, the FAI Cup, and the under seventeens, which he has a vested interest in. Right, we're here with uh, Peter Fitzpatrick, who's been following the hoop since 1962. So, Peter, can you tell us how did you get into following Robbers? And remember what your first game was? Um, my dad had an it- always had an interest in Rovers, and he used to go to the Rovers games with his friends. But uh, one of my dad's great mates was Paddy Ambrose, and Paddy was coming towards the end of his career. And one Sunday, I badgered him, says, "Why, why don't you not bring me up to see Rovers playing? If they're that good, you know." Uh, television had come around in 1963. And the first live game I ever saw was Manchester United and Leicester. And we used to always talk about the Irish players and John Giles and these guys. Noel Cantwell. And that's when I got really hooked on watching football. So he brought me up to a game, one of the first league games. I think it was Limerick or Drogheda. I don't remember a whole lot about the players playing for them. 
I was trying to take in what was all around me in Milltown, sitting in the stand with your packet of crisps and your bottle of red lemonade. And so <coughs> the next game he brought me to was Dundalk, <coughs> who were Rovers' main rivals that time. And Dundalk had a lad playing centre-forward <coughs> called Jimmy Hasty, and he had one arm. I couldn't get over this guy. He was an amazing player, but he, was, he wasn't a patch on what Rovers had. Frank O'Neill, Eddie, Eddie Balham, Liam Toohey, Johnny Fulham, Ronnie Nolan, Pat Courtney, Pat Dunn. Wonderful players, wonderful players. So that's when I got the bug of Rovers and watching them. And After a while, I started going to the games on my own with my friends, a couple of my friends, get the bus from Artain into town, another bus from Burkey, out at Renla, up the Milltown Road, Magic Sunday was magic. You used to keep save the pocket money from the previous week to make sure you could go. You know, it was heaven. You know, it was heaven going to see fellas like O'Neill. <coughs> of course, my f- dad's friend Paddy Ambrose, who was coming towards the end of his career, and that was really his last season because his knee was really hitting him hard. And that's really when I got the book for Rovers. So 1960s, of course, that was the famous six in a row in the FBI Cup. What are your standout memories from that run? Um, I got through some of them. Uh, the last final we won, the six in a row, I really thought we had it lost in Daily Mount. And then poor John Keogh put the ball in his own net for Cork Celtic. And the replay of Rovers demolished them. But the standout final for that in that six in a row was the 1968 Cup Final against Waterford in Dalyman Park. Huge crowd, wasn't there? There was 40,000. And I'll, I'll tell you something that you think is funny, you know. Things stand out from that game. But the one thing I'll never forget from that game to this day was the announcement. Please get down off the stand, the roof of the stand, as it is dangerous. <laughs> I don't know whether the stand was dangerous or being up there was dangerous, but it was. I'll never forget that announcement. Shamrock Rovers that day, very young team, underdogs, Waterford, a wonderful, wonderful team. Alfie Hale, Peter Thomas, Johnny Matthews, Peter Bryan, all them lads, wonderful players, John O'Neill. But Rovers wiped the floor of them that day 3-0. Mick Lawler, absolutely excellent, only a young kid at the time. And Mick Leach, who will ever forget Mick Leach's goal that day? Really, the ball in from Lawler from the left wing, he just took it down, turned in the sixpence, and he buried it in the corner. Rovers' second goal that day. Absolutely wonderful. Great memories that day. The previous year we played St. Pat's, and again, Pat's were always a hard team to beat, no matter where you, when you played Pat's, even to this day. And Billy Dixon was playing for Rovers that time. And Billy got married the day before and scored for Rovers the next day against St. Pat's. But there was only about 12,000 there. 13,000 at the game because it was the first, first ever game on TV live on RTE yeah it was the first li- uh, game live on RTE and it should have been warning signs people are not going to go to games if you put them on the TV <laughs> every other cup final it was jam packed you know some of the finals you went to thinking oh we're going to win we're going to win but really when I thought we played Cork Celtic and in the last minutes of that game uh, poor John Keogh who was a great servant to Rovers and a great Rovers man he put the ball in his own net, unfortunately. <laughs> and I think the final score on the replay was 4-0. Four, it was a, 
wet Wednesday night. I remember it well, you know. All the cup finals are special. But the league at that time was the big thing. You know, Rovers winning the league in 63, 64. Runners up for the following three seasons. And then the domination of Waterford, who won six leagues in, what, eight years, nine years? You mentioned the domination of Waterford, but Rovers won six cups in a row. So what do you think made Rovers such a strong cup team as opposed to the league? They had players who could really, who could perform on a day when it really mattered. I think the likes of Frank O'Neill, um, Mick Leach, Johnny Fulham, they just rose their game up on them days. Uh, they were they were runners up in the league, don't forget, three years running to, to Waterford. Like the 64, 65, 66, 67, 67, 68. They were runners up three times and there was very little between them. But I just thought Rovers on the big day and certainly in the cup final in 1968 that day they rose up and they were magnificent I'll never forget it to this day 3-0 beat Waterford 40,000 people Dalyman Park never be repeated never be, will be repeated I remember hearing Paddy Mulligan saying that the players used to go into special training just for the FAI Cup games like can you explain the importance of the cup to the players and the fans back then and even compared to now is it a lot different? I think today <coughs> it's all about the league because it's all about the European money. It's all about playing in the in the trying to play in the Champions League. Back then, it never mattered because even if you won the cup and you got into Europe, you always drew a good team. There wasn't as many teams playing in Europe at that time, and you always drew a good team. And there were some great teams came to Dalyman Park. And Rovers played them like Celtic and Bayern Munich and Valencia and these teams. Magnificent teams. Some clubs knew they could never win the league. Rovers used to compete for the league, but if they were, if they if they were if the league was a little bit beyond them back when they were finishing runners up, they always put something special into the cup. And it was a statement. You know, at the end of the season it was a statement. I think that we're still here, you know. So Rovers have Shelburne in the second round on Friday. Do you think Rovers can finally win the cup for the first time since 1987? I hope so. We're all waiting a long time for it to win the cup, aren't we? Really. I'd just love to see it happen for <coughs> for so many people who have been involved in the club, bringing the club back to Tala, working so hard to get the underage structure together. I'd just love to see the cup being won by Shamrock Rovers in the Aviva, um, it would just bring back glory days for a lot of us who remember the six in a row and probably got spoiled on six in a row in the cup you know and then the four in a row in leagues in the 80s and winning the cups in the 80s we just need I think to relieve ourselves of that big gap that's between that between winning the cup we've had bad days in the cup defeats to Derry defeats to Galway and we were expected to walk it you know but hopefully be great be, it's a reminder of some great days with Shelburne going to matches with Shelburne and the great players they had the great crowds I look forward to it you know I look for, I think we'll see what way, what way it goes depends on the draw you could get a bad draw go up to Dundalk or some place on a Friday night you know I hate that place I hate that pitch <laughs> Any good memories from Talco Park back in the day? 
Oh yeah. Talker Park was always a special ground. When Rovers were playing in playing in the country, sometimes we used to go up to Talker Park to watch drums or Shelbourne. Earliest memories of Talker Park would be Ben Hannigan, who later played for Shamrock Rovers, doing his warm up, just standing with the ball on his back of his neck, walking around the pitch. It was incredible to watch him. Just you were goggle-eyed watching these guys: Ben, Eric, Barber, Paddy Roberts. And my favourite Shelburne player, Freddie Strahan. What a player. The Bobby Moore of Irish soccer he was. He was a fantastic player. And of course, the big fella in goal, John Heavey. Um, I'd love to see Shelburne come back again. Really, I know lots of Shells fans, and I'd love to see them come back again. I don't see it happening in the near future, but I really would love to see Shelburne come back again. Because the rivalry with Rovers and them was always special. More so than Bohemians, like Bowles and Rovers back in the 60s wasn't a big special rivalry, not to me. Bowles were amateur at the time. They were, yeah, until uh, Willie Brown and them. And the Bowles hadn't got a bad team back in the six, late 60s, yeah, you know, they, they, and in the 70s and 80s. But I'd, the rivalry wasn't like it was with Shelburne. It was always a bit of crack with Shelburne. Both clubs probably from the same area. It was always special to a lot of people that the two clubs do well, you know. Uh, the youth structure at Shaman Crowers nowadays, would you draw any comparisons to John Giles' youth policy of the 1970s? I think John Giles had great ideas, but he was only trying to do it with Shamrock Rovers. You needed everyone in the league to pull together. And the structure that's there at the moment, the under-19s, the under-17s, and now today, starting today, the under-15s, is the way forward. Every club has to be involved. Having lads gone to the UK is coming to an end, as far as I'm concerned. I've watched schoolboy football for a long, long time, and it's coming to an end. The clubs are picking and choosing, and every year there's lads come home. And I have no lads who have come home in the last few years. Disillusioned. Lads come home from Liverpool, Fulham, West Brom, clubs like that. And they're disillusioned. And they're trying to make a way, their way in the league. But if they'd stayed here and played 15s, 15s, 17s and 19s, they would be better. I know one lad personally, he, he said to me, I'm back now and I'm working in Duns. There's nothing wrong with working in Duns. But he's disillusioned, he's no leaving cert. And that's why I think the structure at the moment is vital to get the kids, get their football education and do their leaving cert to have something for the later on in their life. If they don't succeed at League of Ireland, fair enough. But there's too many coming home. Every every May, there's too many coming home. Uh, your grandson is in under the 17s, Jack Kelly. Pat Flynn on last week's show called him a typical winger. What do you see in Jack? Pat, uh, Pat's correct. 100% correct. Jack is a typical winger. He reminds me of Frank O'Neill. He wants to take on the full back all the time. Sometimes it's not the right thing to do, but he'll he'll try it. He used to get hammered in his club, St. Kevin's Boys, for always wanting to take on the full-back. But Stephen Rice and Pat and Keith, very patient. They're trying to educate him. There's a time to do it and a time not to do it. But they'll never hammer him for it, for trying something. He likes to get down, cross the ball, or shoot. He has ability. No doubt he has ability. He's a lot to learn, but under Stephen Rice and Pat, Keith, Graham, 
he will learn and he has learned he is learning and the one thing he's got from coming over to Shamrock Rovers last June when they approached him to come over here is he's got his love for the game back if you have no love for the game you'll never succeed he's on trial at Watford at the moment how's he getting on I spoke to him last night and he's very happy over there he's been away in trial before and he he wasn't as happy when he was at Sheffield United he was a bit homesick and Leicester he was on trial on his own there there was lads supposed to go with him but they didn't in the end and it's difficult on your own in among a crowd of lads he is a homeboard I am convinced he's a homeboard he's on trial over there at Watford, Watford this week he's enjoying it he's enjoyed the, double, enjoyed the double sessions every day it's teaching him the tempo the only difference he told me last night the only difference between here and, and Watford is the tempo mm. he says skill wise technical ability wise there's not much difference is the tempo they train at a high tempo all the time he loves Shamrock Rovers he's a Shamrock Rovers fan he used to be a Shamrock Rovers season ticket holder until he had to go training on a Friday night in his club St. Kevin's and now at Shamrock Rovers but he still comes to games and he's great he's a great love for the club and he <coughs> I, I have to say he's very proud to pull on a hoop jersey there's no doubt about that and uh, <coughs> he, he, he just he loves playing here in Talla absolutely loves the wide open spaces here in Talla and Stephen and the lads they're, they're educating him right so please God he'll stay here in Rovers I want him here in Rovers I have to be honest so you've probably seen a lot of the under 17s this season how do you think they're doing? they're a good side they're a very young side for instance their goalkeeper last Sunday down at Wexford Gavin who's going to be a fine young goalkeeper was only 15 they have another lad Connor Connor Bain everyone knows but Connor another fine player I don't think Connor's 16 yet and you're playing against lads like in the, they did in the cup for Waterford. Who brought they Waterford brought some of the lads who were up with their 19s back down for that game. And it's it's tough, physically tough for them, but they were well able for them. They they should have won that game. They should have won that game. They had a bad start, but they should have won it. But I think they're a good side. I think Stephen's doing it very well with them. He's patient with them. He's bringing them on. Most of them are 16. So they'll be together next season at, at, at under 17s again. And that is uh, to their credit that they've stuck with it. They're second in the league. They've had a couple of defeats. Uh, they lost to Waterford. The bad league defeat. That was the only one bad game they had, really. The other games, they had bad halves. But last Sunday down in Wexford, they had a bad half and they came back. They never die. They will never die. They'll never give up that team. They have a great inner spirit about them. Last Sunday, three down in Wexford. They didn't give up, didn't drop their heads, just sorted themselves out and got back, and they could have they could have got something out of the game. But it's ironic, Wexford hadn't done that well all this season. They won beat Rovers last Sunday. Their 19th beat UCD during the week, and their first team beat Cabin last night. So something's gone on down in Wexford this week. <laughs> yeah. So that was Peter. Uh, must be very proud that his grandson's playing for Rovers. Yeah, definitely very proud. Hopefully, uh, well, as he said, he'd like him to to progress and stay at Rovers. But if he makes the move to Watford, best luck to him. Yeah, though. I mean these things happen. Yeah, 
the it's the sixties is it's just so far back that we just can't fathom what it was like at all. So it's it's great to hear somebody who actually knows about it. Yeah, he loves uh, Frank O'Neill. Yeah, those sort of players. Yeah, always hear about him. Always hear about Frank O'Neill and the the famous six in a row. So the if I mean forty thousand at the the what what game was that forty thousand nearly forty thousand yeah sixty eight against Waterford sixty seven the fourth game was televised yeah. Yeah, some really good stuff there from Peter. So uh, definitely appreciate all the listens, Peter, and, and, and your input. Definitely get you on again. I think we only scratched the surface there. It really did, yeah. There's a lot more to come, I think. So uh, have you got anything else, Carl, before we move on to the best stats in the world? So here are the best stats in the world. <laughs> we have uh, against Limerick, Rovers have kept three consecutive clean sheets for the first time since March 2016. Ronan Finn scored his 30th league goal for Rovers. Only Gary Twig with 81 and Gary McKay with 42 have more in the Tala era. In all, tro- in all three games Finn has scored this season, Harps, Dundalk and Limerick, David McAllister has scored as well, so a nice little double act. Yeah, seemed to be in sync. Yeah. Rovers have won four games in a row in all competitions for the first time under Stephen Bradley. The last time the Hoops won five in succession was in September 2013. What was that? Crawley ball? Yeah, good old Crawley ball. <laughs> In Galway, Rovers came from behind to win for the first time since the 4-2 victory at Longford on the final day last season when current Shelbourne player Mark Hughes gave the town a 9-minute lead. The Hoops had lost all 11 competitive games in which they conceded the first goal this year. Whoa, that's not good. Yeah, everyone was asking me on the way back from Galway. Bruv, was this? Yeah, it was last time we came from behind. It was like Ariel Park all over again. Yeah. People shouting at me for stats. Podcast wanker. <laughs> no, that was just you actually you call me a podcast maker. so uh, that, that was only the that was only the second time in five years that we came from behind to win an away league game second time in five years that we came from behind to win an away league game stunning stunning stat I think Maloney was marvelling at that one wasn't he and as you heard the other one was Longford a meaningless game against a relegated team yep Absolute madness. But uh, listen, I mean, we need more nights like that. So memorable. Well, for some people. <laughs> but um, if um, we're going to, if Friday's game does not go to penalties, Rovers will equal the club record of 19 consecutive away games. What a draw since in 1956. Yeah, I mistakenly said 1924 last week. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. You had countless emails in sent about that. There oh, was, yeah? They were saying, no, it was 1956. Oh. Not 1924. <laughs> like, jeez, relax. Uh, so no one has reached the more FAI Cup Finals than Rovers with 33. I tell you what, that's some return. 33 Cup Finals and we've won uh, 24. So, And Shelbourne have 19. So the Hoops beat Shells in all three final meetings. 1925, 1944 and 1962. So we have Shelbourne's last win over Rovers when it was in the FAI Cup five years ago. Stephen Glass was caretaker manager following the dismissal of Stephen Kenny Stephen 3-2 out in Tolka 2-1 Fat Philly Fat Philly scored though didn't he the 3-2 was when we won 3-2 oh yeah but Fat Philly got the winner I think against us didn't he I think he he, he jinked his win way out of box and buried him Stephen Glass remember that yeah that was his one and only game in charge and uh, Sean Gannon accidentally scored from the halfway line in that game (laughs) what's Stephen Glass doing now you have no idea not sure actually I actually missed the Gannon goal because I walked out 
which is something I never do in fairness mm. I never leave a game early but you can imagine how frustrated everyone was at that time Kenny had just gone we went out of the cup to a, a poor it was a shock of performance to a poor Shells team yeah. so you can imagine how disgusted it was mm-hmm. but uh, Shells did have a nice display for uh, Joe Merriman that night Joe the Hoop yeah that was one thing that, that stuck out in the mind with with that one I mean I mean, Joe was uh, pretty much the founder of the Ultras culture I think in Ireland so that was nice um, we have Tomer Henchinski and Darren Meenan are the only players in the current squad that were alive when Rovers lifted the last FAI Cup trophy so it's been a long long road now 30 years is it? yep 30 year anniversary the drive for 25 don't say it, don't say it. <laughs> drive for 25 Brian Hill says that anyone who mentions drive for 25 should have a public stoning in the square <laughs> and I second that motion Ryan's brilliant. Is he still on Brad's room? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Brad's, Brad's are sound now. He's class on Facebook. Um, so Rovers haven't won the away game against Shelbourne in this competition since the 1966 second round at Talca Park. There's a stat and a half. Well, it's more of a technical stat. Shut up, Riley. It's a stat. Talca was a neutral venue in 1969 and a home ground in 2001. So when the hoops knocked out the double holders. Yeah, we'll be talking about that one in a while. Stephen Bradley's record win as a Rovers manager was a 5-0 win in Athlone at this stage of last year's FAI Cup. I remember that. Duna. Do, do, Duna. Got his uh, first goal for Rovers, didn't he? Tap in. Yep. It was scoreless at half-time. A barrage of goals in the second half. Rovers have failed to reach the quarter-finals of the Cup only once in the last eight seasons. That was in 2015 when there were no Dublin League clubs in the last eight. This is Stat City today. We have Shelbourne haven't qualified for the quarterfinal since 2013. They've been eliminated by Dundalk in three of the last four seasons. That's a that's a tough draw, isn't it? Hmm. The last three seasons. Um, Limerick and Finn Harps have drawn each other in the FA Cup for the first time ever. So aside from the cabin tealies of the world, only three pairings with current league clubs have never happened. Rovers versus Bray, Limerick versus Derry, and Shelbourne versus UCD. So those have never those ties have never happened in the FA Cup. Shelbourne beat first division leaders Waterford 3-0 in a surprise win at the RSC in the fourth round line sixth in the table. The Reds haven't won a home game since May sixth and uh since May and six of their eight wins have been away from home. David Hanley did a bit of reconnaissance work. Yeah, a bit of scouting. And a bit of scouting and he said that they are decent enough and he reckons that uh, their fans think it's the best they've been playing for in years, playing years. So we'll see how that pans out. Um definitely gonna be a tough toy. Yeah, they'll be up for it. So I'm definitely not taking the pitches and bits as well. So I'm definitely not taking this one for granted. No, this is Rovers in the cup we're talking about. Yep. So <laughs> Shelburne are one of the four fourth division clubs to reach FAO Cup final and the only one to lose in 2011. They were the last Dublin club to retain the trophy, 1997. So the only fourth division club to knock Rovers out of the FAO Cup since the turn of the century was Sporting Fingal in 2009. The Hoops have won each of their last 16 ties against fourth division teams in all cup competitions since losing to Shelbourne in the 2010 Leinster Senior Cup. Yeah, we did play Shells at Talca Park in the League Cup last year. I think some people have forgotten about that one. We have Chris Lyons, Lorcan Shannon and Dylan Cavanagh are all ex-Hoops. David McAllister and Darren Meenan signed for Shelbourne together at the start of the 2009 season after McAllister had been on loan at Talca Park. Did a very successful spell there as well. And a good goal ratio. Shells defender Derek Prendercast is the only player in history to be sent off in both an FAI Cup and League Cup final. 
Uh, remember that friendly that we were meant to have with Cliftonville? Yeah, I remember that one. They took the reins there, didn't they? Yeah, they played shells instead of Tolga. And uh, they beat shells 6-0 in that. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And I wonder, what will balls like Odarian Bray do with their weekend off gear? Yeah, that's it. Bit of fishing, maybe. Might come and watch uh, the big team playing Tolga. Yeah. So we're going to move on now to our starting 11 and predictions. So after a great win in Galway, I'm going to go for 4 4 one, one which could morph into 4 3 3. Depends. And our wingers playing very high up the pitch and overlapping fullback. So Tomer, Madden, Grace, Pico, and Lukey at the back. I'm going to start doing it. I think he deserves a chance. Finn and McAllister and Clark. I'm going to go for Borg and Shawzy as well. So, um, strong enough team. I think, uh, who did I drop? I kept doing it. I put doing in team. I dropped Connolly. I think doing his cameos are definitely making, uh, and even when he starts, he's doing well. So, doing it in for Connolly and to give us some real wit. And uh, we'll, we'll go from there. And I'm, I'm dropping, I'm actually dropping Brando. So, it's a, could, we could spring up from the bench. And You're finally joining me, Gar. In the dropping of Brando. Yeah, yeah. Um, Two weeks too late. I could play him in the hole. No, I'll stick with Borgie, but I've got to go 3 1. Yeah, I have the same team. Unless Lukey Byrne is still not ready, then Carpenter left back. I mean, we could play Trev there. Trev, Trev is his runs from deep because definitely trouble these guys. But um, let's, we'll see how we get on. Yeah, I mean, we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago that uh, Clark may actually be more sued to left back because it runs from deep and he has the option with the the winger giving him a hand on the left he's not just going on his own you know but I'm with you I would like to see Dune and Clark on the wings in start in one game yeah I'd be interested to see and as you mentioned Simon Madden is back I'm sure he'll get a great reception yeah on his return except for me because <laughs> I'm going to throw broccoli at him don't, yeah, don't worry Carl it'll only take another four or five years for a record to come up like that do you know what it could take longer it could take a lot, lot longer for a stat like that to ever come up again. So, uh, broccoli pockets will be, uh, will be getting abuse from Carl. <laughs> the steroids will uh, find it quite strange. Why am I smuggling that into Tolga? So, uh, so, yeah. So, what's your prediction? I'm going for three-one Rovers. My prediction: Shazzy to continue his good form after I rested him. Didn't drop you, Shazzy. Rested you. <laughs> I'm gonna say two-one win. 2-1 win so we're going to move on to other matters now we had Mikey O'Connor had a trial game at Burnley at the weekend posted a picture of himself next to a Burnley shirt and looks like he's going to sign from a figure of 250k has been mentioned so I mean what sort of clauses will be in that we don't know but you know what's crazy I mean Sean Dyche we've probably seen the same amount of O'Connor as Sean Dyche as the cookie master yeah the cookie <laughs> but um, I, I mean I love Mikey whenever I see him I think he's a great player as but like I said, we can't really say that, can we? Because we've seen him for 70 minutes against Dundalk at the start of the season. Everything else has been a cameo. But he has looked good when he's been when he's been playing, you know? He definitely, so, I mean, he's definitely a talented player. Looks like he has a lot about him. Yeah. As you say, we haven't seen enough of him. But he must have really impressed in that friendly. Against Burnley. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I definitely want to keep him. I mean, look look, look how well he played when he came on in, in Galway. He pretty much set up the winner. It is a strange one. The player have to go from our bench 
to a Premier League club for a quarter of a million. Yeah, and then if like anyone, if anyone wants to log on to our forum with a Rovers chat, like Burnley fans say, what's he like as a player? We're just going to be like, uh, <laughs> we don't actually know. Can't really tell at the moment. But the question is, will he take that magic plane right into the Ireland squad now, just like Sean Maguire did? Nuts, isn't it? Seriously, I mean, what what is the problem? Do they really think the league is that bad? Like we say, Carl, I'm a football connoisseur. I mean, I'll be out at the Leinster Senior League on Saturday. Go out and watch Dublin Bus if they're around. I mean, it's no big deal. Football is football. You find something you love. If you are a football lover, you will find something you love about anything. Like I was talking about Jaden's match last week. Stunning game of football, under eight. You like football, you find something you love about every game of football. Over 35s even, you know what I mean? I mean, these, these footballing snobs, as I call them... Um, Maybe we're looking at the league through rose tinted glasses because we love it so much, and we maybe O'Neill just doesn't look at it the way we do. He probably just thinks the standard is poor, but that's that's not us. I don't think that's the way at all. I think it's a very good football play in the league, but to just be propelled and thrown into the Ireland squad like that purely because he signed for, I think for Preston is it is it about not wanting to pick someone in the league? I think it was very telling that he he only chose Horgan and Boyle after they had impressed. In the Europa League group stages, because they have been been performing at that high level. Yeah, so he thinks that it's, they're not being tested at this level, is it? And he thinks, yeah. okay, the standard's quite low, and I'll play, I'll pick them and play them when they play against a higher caliber player, maybe. But I mean, the Maguire one was bad, but to me, the worst one was Brian Lenehan a couple of years ago because he was twenty years old, and he was called up to the Ireland squad a month after he went from Cork to Hull. A month, and he has been. Nowhere near the squad since. Yeah. So are you telling me that he became good enough after he joined Hull? Yeah, what's the excuse there, yeah? But listen, we don't know. So listen, good luck to good luck to Mikey anyway, if if anything uh, materialises there, but if not, we'll hold on to him. Happily. So uh we'll move on to other matters involving the squad. Now we have Dan Devine who has left the club by mutual consent. So thanks to Dan for all his efforts. He was never lacking in any of them, so Hopefully, I I think it might be got something to do with uh, school and studying. I think he's gone into full time education. Yeah, but listen, I'm delighted for him and hope he does well. Lovely fella, always had time for us <laughs> at Tales from the East End. So Dan, good luck to you if uh, if you do listen. We and never got that uh, holy pairing of divine grace. Yeah, divine and grace. Eh? Maybe maybe another time. Huh? He was on the bench in Limerick, so he had recovered from that ankle injury that he had. Yeah. But uh, if you go back to the start of the season, you remember Brazzer was tipping him to be one of the best defenders in the league. He was really good in the first one or two games, but uh, then he proceeded to turn into Raven Lunatic. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a good thing. So, uh, also our best wishes to Paul Curry, who went for his third and hopefully last operation on his knee. I mean, this this poor guy has been ravaged by injury. 22 months, he said. 22 months, that's nearly two years, man. That's crazy amount of time to not play football and do something that you love so I genuinely hope this guy gets better he's been working hard in the background and I mean I'm sure the whole team is behind him helping him out in particular probably Lukey who's suffered something similar so hopefully it's just done and dust and we can see him next season getting into the team and, and doing what he does best and that's playing football so good luck to Paul and uh, it looks like we'll be in the Riverside stand on Friday night Back to the old house. Back to the old house. Yeah, lots of bad memories at Talca for Roberts fans. You've got... And the piss in the sink before, I remember. <laughs> no jacks. You've got the boycott season 
of 87, 88, mm-hmm. just after Milltown. A couple of cup final defeats, 84 in 2002. Relegation in 2005. And can you believe they're still selling Dublin City jerseys? I saw that. It's shocking. It's just, uh, how can we fleece tourists? Oh yeah, that's, that's a good idea. Yeah. Dublin, Dublin City jerseys, let's do that. Um, we have JMK on the forum. He said, 30 years later, and we're away to Shells and Talcott while they are picketing because they don't want to go to the stadium of the future in Daily Mount. We really have come full circle, haven't we? It's crazy, isn't it? So we uh, we also asked you to share your memories of two Talcott Park FAI Cup games, the 2001 quarter-final replay win over Shelbourne and the 2002 final defeat to Derry. So Tony Grant got two goals in that 3-0 win over Shells. Billy Woods with the other are cracker. As you mentioned, Shells were double winners the previous season, so that was that was a serious result. Yep. We had John Dorney says in the first game, Pat Dean scored an amazing <laughs> wind-assisted goal from about the halfway line. All I can really remember about the replay is Billy Woods' great goal. He must have beat three players before smashing the ball in. And we have Lee Barnwall. The ever-quotable. I remember me ma went fucking mad because I slept with a rover scarf around me neck the night before the replay with Shells I was only 10 god bless but anyway it done the trick what an early rovers memory the Trina win I just remember how unexpected it was Shells were shit hot and then we have Just Dean Mason he, she writes <laughs> Thursday 29th of March 2001 I brought the younger brother of the girl I was dating at the time the next day I asked her did he enjoy it and he said that after every goal I saw Justin and his mates hugging and kissing each other Later that night, we ended up in Mulligan's in Poolbeg Street with our resident Shells fan. We were the last to leave and went towards O'Connell Street to get a bite to eat and we saw a parking cone. One of the lads, who doesn't go to games anymore, decides to do a phoenix from the flames of Billy Wood's goal with the, him as Billy Wood's doing the shimmy. The parking cone was the Shells defence and the Shells fan was Steve Williams in goal. A great night. And the defeat to Bowes in the cup semi was heartbreaking after that. So, Yeah, and we uh, got in touch with Billy Woods himself about that goal. He said it was a long time ago, so he did, a be- did his best to remember. He said, uh, Shells were really physically strong at the time, but we had players that could hurt teams up front. All I remember is getting the ball and running forward from left back. I cut inside Richie Baker and someone else on my strong side and pinging it. If I'm honest, I was surprised it went in and I took the booking for taking my jersey off for celebrating in shock. It was a great result, but the sickening thing for us that year was we lost the semi-final against Bowes in the last minute. We had some really good players, but did not have the mental strength to win the big games when it really mattered. The same happened the following year in Dundalk in the semi-final when we collapsed, which pretty much finished Damien Richardson at Rovers. Mm. And uh, we'll move on to the 2002 FAI Cup final at Talca Park. So we have uh, a lot of sour memories for Rovers fans on this one, Carl. Yeah, Karen Connolly says, I saw Liam Kyle's goal in that day and I refuse to watch it ever again uh, since yeah, you'd be sick wouldn't you you would be sick so Andrew Thornton moved to England the day after the 2002 final so he must have taken a bad <laughs> just upped and left <laughs> not come Sicken. back so Sean Breen said I was a mascot at the final finally got to meet my hero and favourite player Sean Francis and walk out the tunnel with him why was he my favourite because he had the same name as me simpler times Derek Kelly says had a bad feeling about that cup final long before it kicked off walking down Richmond Road towards Meagher's pub and seeing some of our players making their own way to the ground the club tracksuits wasn't very, very professional for a final so I remember Peter Walker and me is just shaking our heads wondering what the fuck was going on yeah well that's, that's what I've heard about that final was that 
that was uh, Liam Buckley's approach to uh, treat it like a regular game because Talc was our home ground at the time so we wore track suits instead of suits blazers I remember uh, Pascoli talking about that game and he totally disagreed with that approach it should have been treated as a big deal big occasion I agree yeah. definitely agree with that it's, it's not just a regular game it's a cup final you know what I mean don't treat it just another, like another game and uh, just amazing in that game or sorry Justine amazing Justine Mason, that game yeah. says they headed to City West afterwards to drown their sorrows Paddy Delahunty trying to chat up Luke Demek's partner will live with me for a long time <laughs> at the end of the night we were seeing could we get into the residence bar however in front of us they wouldn't let Luke Demek in one of the men in the queue ahead of us who looked like William Haig took exception to this whipped out his programme showed him Luke's pen picture and said to the bouncers let him in he's a Maltese international a Maltese international <laughs> while banging his programme in anger was showing the bouncer we were in convulsions of laughter and took that as our cue to leave was it Luco Dimecchio that was it wasn't it yeah so we have Lee Barmore back again he's uh He's, he's having a good one this week so there was a fire on the pitch right in front of the Rollers fans all the confetti on the pitch went up when presumably a steward flicked a smoke onto it the light and confetti caught onto the padding around the floodlights and the fire got fairly serious with smoke billowing into the Rollers fans some genius eventually got a fire extinguisher but when he put the fire out an almighty cloud of smoke blew into the Rollers section and left us all in bits thankfully it cleared before any real damage was done also remember a Derry fan coming over to the Rovers fans after the game to glow. Big fat elf that he was. Then a Rovers fan jumped on and burst him with a dig for jumping back to the stand and escaping the chasing Stewart. It's hilarious. <laughs> and we have another story from Pau Tiola. He says, I stood in front of the Stewart and remember his superior telling him to get rid of the cigarette. He threw it onto the bus tickets and the other paper rolls he had emptied onto the pitch again. In a half measure by Stewart's, all the papers left on the sideline and not cleared. A few minutes later, it was engulfed and the safety wrapping around the, fly, the floodlight post. The steward then went to get a fire extinguisher and instead of aiming at the base of the fire, as I had suggested for my fire train, firefighting at the time, I was told politely to fuck off. <laughs> he followed the flames with the nozzle up the pole, leading to the dry powder, dosing the fans in the stand. Again, I was one of the first onto the pitch. What I remember... Then the game was still being playable. The rest of the stand then emptied onto the pitch. I remember my wife ringing to see if if the young lad was okay. I answered yes. To which she answered, he's not even with you. I can see him on the telly at the goalpost getting sick. <laughs> right, so I'll get him there. I'll get him there. And shocking setup from start to finish. Was outside the ground and saw Pat Scully running by 30 minutes before KO. Beat him 1-0, got home and fucked the tickets to City West uh, function in the bin. Ooh. That was a big one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got stoned by the missus <laughs> ringing them up. So both Lee and Passe, it was a steward that started the fire. But has Kenny B outed the real fire starter? Ah, uh, Kenny B. He's named someone there on Roberts, yeah. Yeah, Kenny, I think Kenny B knows who the real the real one is there. Uh, we'll have to wait for a special studio audience <laughs> that we'll have at the end of the season. So we have John Dorney now and he said the whole occasion was a little flat certainly compared to the final in 2010 because it was in Tolka and we played all our home games there at the time so the one thing I remember is that they tried to mesh off the front rows of seats in what was at the time our home end in Tolka. But the chairman got them to take the mesh away because it was so overcrowded and the thing about the fire was that the stewards didn't do anything about it for ages 
and then fire the fire extinguisher straight into the crowd. I did, straight into the crowd. <laughs> it was actually that that caused the people to evacuate the stand and come onto the pitch. As far as the game was concerned, I remember Rovers had a few decent chances. Luco Demecchio, who's a Maltese international, had a pretty good shot saved at the Ballybock end, but I think everyone who was there most remembers James Keddie's appalling miss right in front of the Drunkondra end. So he could have almost blown it in, let alone headed it. But he somehow blown it in. He somehow managed to head the ball away from a meter out, and I still don't know how he managed it. Yeah, a lot of people sick about that. Keddie yeah. miss. So uh, I'd say certain people will be giving out about your uh, negative cup memories. But listen, look at what happened last week with the with the Galway one. So talking about Galway and our beating them in ten, not, not losing them in 10 years in a row and you were getting the eyes and the daggers in the stand but listen these well, are just stats and we have to give them to you well people mentioned the Bowes semi-final win just before that that was a more positive one yeah that was a great one yeah so um, that's all the memories from those cup games beforehand and I think that is it for today Riley have you anything to add no that is it so that is it for today's show and our quest for cup glory continues as we play shells on Friday night in Talca Park so we try and put an end to this barren run of 30 years without an FAI cup win so we'll uh, see you in the riverside and keep on hooping folks see ya